Welcome back for another episode of the LFDC Podcast. My name is Pastor Jesse Smout, and I'm glad you're with us today. Today's sermon is from January 24th. I was sick with COVID-19, but was still able to speak the word from my home in quarantine. I hope you are blessed by today's word on faith. So, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to still uh, preach your word and, and get into our words, even from our homes or some of us from the church. But God, I thank you for the opportunity to um, still glorify your name via technology and via live streaming, God, that I may be in my kitchen right now at home, but I can still open my Bible and learn more about your word with fellow believers from their homes. And uh, what, what an amazing time to be in that we can do that, Father, and we can freely gather even when we're not physically gathered. God, so I thank you for that. I just pray that you are glorified in this sermon today, that you are glorified in this teaching, and that you ultimately have your way, uh, and that your Holy Spirit is just guiding and uh, controlling this service, God. And that the people that are in service, God, just keep them safe, protect them, guard them from any sickness, guard them as they drive home. Father, I know these roads probably aren't the best, <laughs> but God, I thank you for everyone who is tuned in, who is at the building, God, everyone who has invested in this sermon today. I just pray you bless them and, and give them their rhema word that they uh, need to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. So anyway, we are going to be talking more today on faith. Uh, I just couldn't get out of my head this week. Uh, I really, you know, when Thursday came and I tested positive, I was like, well, now I guess I'm not going to talk on Sunday. So I kind of stopped pursuing my sermon per se, um, but still was studying on this topic. So it worked out when everything kind of went to uh, back to me. So, and that's fine. I, I, I think that's why we're here and why God's called me to do what I'm doing. Uh, but let me pull this up. So faith is, as a believer is absolutely foundational. We have to have faith. We have to understand faith. We have to have an, a healthy uh, recognition of what it means when it's in the Word of God, because it's in the Word of God a lot. Um, we all understand, we should understand, we are saved by faith. Uh, we are saved by faith alone and not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. And that's in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. So it's it's a, essentially a gift, um, and we're saved by faith alone. And we can't boast in that faith. We can't boast in the fact that we have faith or that we've discovered faith. Uh, because the thing is, when you're lost, who finds you? The finder, uh, right? And so I was thinking about this this past week when God, I was meditating on a scripture. You know, you think of the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin and how uh, the shepherd went out to look for the one, right? We have the 99 sheep, but the one was lost and he went out to look for the one. You know, we're like that sheep. We are not to be found unless someone is to find us. And that's the way faith works is we are not to have faith unless someone gives it to us. And so when we study faith and when we understand faith, we have to understand that we can't boast in our faith. We can't boast in the fact that we found faith or we have faith or that our faith is better than the next person. No, we have to be grateful and glorify God that we even have it, that we've been given it because it's not something that is oh, I have more faith or I have better faith. No, it's it's not like that. It's we've been given faith. And so it's a gift and we can't boast in that. And we know that in Romans 5, 1, it says we have been justified by faith. And that's our justification. We talked about that last week, about that uh, that faith that saves, the saving faith. In Romans 3, 28, it also says we are justified faith, by faith and not by the deeds of the law. So the excellency of faith 
something I think we need to get out there and, and definitely talk about as, as people who are more charismatic in nature is that faith is not a personal power in which we possess to create our own future. That is not what faith is. Uh, very plainly, I want to speak very simply that it is not a power we possess. Uh, it does not produce our desired outcomes uh, to design to define and manufacture our own will to be accomplished. That's not what faith is. So if I said, well, I have faith that $500 is going to show up at my doorstep so I can pay my mortgage. That's not what faith is. Um, you can argue in the worldly sense that maybe that's what faith is because it's a hope. It's the substance of hope, right? But like, that's not what faith actually is. And we're going to get into what faith actually is here in a moment. Um, but I don't want to be responsible for my own future. I don't want to choose what's best for me. I don't want to choose and dictate and determine what I should believe for, uh, right? As Christians, shouldn't we have a better view of what faith is and what we should hope for? So I don't want to be responsible for my future. I don't want to be responsible for my outcomes, my, my outlook, right? I would rather God be in charge of that, right? If God told me, and, and this is kind of what we're going to get into, but I'm just revealing my hand a little early. If God told me, Jesse, don't worry, I will provide for you. That is a word of faith. That is, that is where my faith is grounded. He will provide for me. Does that mean I have faith for a $500 check? Not necessarily. I just know he'll provide. So faith is not power in itself. Faith is trusting in the one who holds the power. It manifests in power. So faith gives to our future inheritance a present reality and power. Uh, faith is not power, but it gives us, and I know I said it, it seems contradictory, but it's not. Uh, faith is not a personal power we possess. Faith is trusting in him who has power. Um, and in that, there is power, not it is power. Um, and I know that's kind of confusing, but we're going to get into it a little deeper. So here are some things uh, listed that I've done some research on what faith is not. Very simple examples of what faith is not. These are not examples of faith. Faith is not believing in your heart. What your mind otherwise tells you is not true. That is not faith. Uh, faith is not trusting in something for which there are no facts. Faith is not ex. Uh, ex I'm gonna struggle with this word right now. It's not a blind leap into darkness. Right? That's not faith. Faith is not putting your trust in something or someone about whom you know nothing. Faith is not the opposite of knowledge. It's not. Faith is not the enemy of reason. Faith is not the antithesis of scientific endeavor, right? And we probably don't get into that much. Faith is not believing in something that runs counter to obvious and incontrovertible, incontrovertible evidence, right? So faith is not saying, oh, I'm trusting in something even though there's no evidence. That's not, we're going to get deeper into this, but that's not faith just because you believe something that has no evidence. That's not faith. Uh, faith is not superstition. It's not a positive mental attitude. I think people think that it's a positive outlook. Uh, and that's not faith. That's that's not what it is. Faith is not wishful thinking. Faith is not a creative power that brings into existence things that otherwise wouldn't exist, like that $500 check. Faith is not a weapon through which we get God to do things for us that he otherwise wouldn't do. Right. And so we have to understand that faith is not us getting God to do what we want him to do. That's not what faith is. 
faith is, well, we're going to get into it, but faith is not getting God to do what we want him to do. And so what is faith? How do we have faith? Um, real briefly, put in the comments section what you think faith may be. I'm going to wait a moment, just see what you guys say. You guys are all going to be scared to comment now, but don't be scared. Just write something. Faith is, don't quote Hebrews 11.1, because I know you all want to, and we're going to get there. Now you're all scared because I said don't quote scripture. Well, we're going to get into Hebrews 11.1. Uh, so through petition, meditation, and study on the word of faith, or word faith, not word of faith movement, but word faith, I came to this conclusion personally. Faith is a revealed promise resulting in a true deep conviction um, that causes us to trust in the Father, which leads to obedience, right? A, a, an obedience that is fruitful. And so faith is, another, another person has written, it is a God-given ability, not something we are to hold on our own. Faith is an, an ability or a gift given by God. And that is throughout scripture. You see that everywhere. Uh, and, and if you look at the actual definition of the word faith and, and the Greek word and the roots of it, you actually see that very clearly in just the word itself, that it's not something you can have by your own unction, right? I've also heard it said that it's warranted confidence and justified trust. There are good grounds warranted for why you believe what you believe. Confident trust in the future that God has promised. So faith is not saying, God, here's what I want you to do, and I'm going to pray it into existence, and I believe it, and I hope for it, and I want it. That's not what faith is. Faith is saying, this is what God has told me. This is what God has revealed to me, and it's so real. It's so true. It's so convicting that I put full confidence, full trust in that which God has said, and it will not fail me. Right. And so an example, and I, I thought of this example just with that chair example that oftentimes people use with faith is like a chair, you know, you know, it's going to hold you, it's going to support you. And, and that's, that's fine, I guess. Uh, it's not the greatest example of faith, especially when you get deeper into it. But faith is essentially God coming to you directly uh, via his scriptures. And sometimes, you know, in other ways, but via his scriptures, most importantly, or they should always be backed by scriptures when it's a rhema word or a prophetic word. It should be backed through scripture. Uh, but you'll see God gives you a promise. He gives you a revelation. He reveals something to you. He speaks something to you. And thus, it becomes so real to you that that's what you believe for. And my easiest example of this is with Luke, right? I, I wrote this article. I don't know how many of you read it. But I wrote this article, Why Luke Came Home in Three Weeks. It wasn't as big as my article, Luke, right? But this one to me was very revealing. Uh, I prayed for Luke to come home, and I felt an impression from God that said three weeks. And I clung to that. I said, okay, that's not necessarily what I wanted. It's not what I desired. Um, but I had just such a revelation, a word from God saying three weeks, that I trusted with full confidence that three weeks, I'm hoping for sooner, but three weeks is what I'm trusting full. I, I, I would die on that hill. Something that I like people, people sometimes say is with faith is, would, would you die for the word that God gave you? 
Like, would you stake everything you had, life or death, on what God told you? And if you're not willing to, then was it God, right? And so we have to understand when I, when if someone came to me and said, no, it's going to be six weeks until Luke is let out, I'd say, okay, you say six weeks, but my God told me three weeks. And what happened, right? He was let out in 21 days and some hours. When you actually do the math based on when he was born, he was let out in 21 days and some hours. And that's glory to God. That's not glory to me. That's not glory to, to I prayed that through. No, it, it was God gave me a gift. He gave me a gift of understanding and knowing his will, his desired outcome was three weeks. And once I heard that and was revealed to me that God said three weeks, I was able to trust confidently in that which God gave me. Um, so it's a revealed promise resulting in a true conviction, resulting in trust and obedience, a, a true following, right? And I keep using that word, a true, 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 because I think it's so easy to get caught up into false desires, false narratives, false opinions, false wishes, false even theology, false scripture usage. Um, and we can start to determine and decide what we want. If you've ever felt so imp impressed upon your spirit that God wanted to do something, something was going to happen, and it didn't happen, you have to start to wonder, you know, maybe God wanted me to pray through something, maybe there was more there, maybe my feelings got involved. But there's a lot at stake when it comes to faith. It has to be so, so sure. And I think as living faith, we have to know when it's faith and when it's hope, right? Or when it's when it's faith or when it's something deeper. Uh, uh, not deeper than faith. Faith is the deeper. And so we're going to continue here. Uh, so faith literally means, uh, in Greek, it's the word pistis, uh, which is faith, faithfulness, trust, and confidence. To be persuaded, it is always, 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 always a gift from God. Anytime you see the word faith, there are 250, well, not 250 references, there's 244 references in the New Testament of this word pistis, which is faith. Um, you see that in Hebrews 11 quite often. You see that in Romans 10, what we talked about last week. You see that with the woman with the issue of blood. Every time you see the word faith, it's this word. It's, it's pistis. And so it is always, 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 always a gift from God. Always. When you do a true deep dive study on this word, it is always a gift from God. So when you say like last week when we get into Romans 10, and we're not there yet, but we will be there soon. You know, say, you know, faith uh, comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. It's revealed to you from the Word of God. So faith only comes from God's spoken Word. Uh, so when we go out and evangelize, and, and this is going back into last week a little bit, when we go out and tell people the good news of the gospel of Christ, they will not and cannot receive that revelation of Christ unless God opens their heart and gives them faith. We have uh, more examples of faith. We have faith that heaven is real. A trusted, uh, a true trust and confidence that there is life after death, heaven or hell. Yet, technically, we do not have personal evidence, but we have a true internal conviction that is so real. No one on earth could convince me there isn't life after death. No one on earth could convince me there isn't heaven. No one on earth could convince me there isn't hell. And that, that is faith, where there's no 
thing that can convince you otherwise. If you are able to be convinced, then the faith isn't very deep. And so when we look at faith like the hymn writer of It Is Well, right? He lost his entire family. He lost his business. He lost his home. And he was able to write this hymn saying, It Is Well With My Soul. That is a deep faith. A shallow faith believes in God for miracles. I'm just going to put that out there. To each is given a measure of faith, and that faith is still a gift, lest no man should boast. So you shouldn't boast in a deeper faith, but a deeper faith is being able to trust in God when things go wrong. An example with the chair that I go back to on this is if God says, sit here, and you notice a chair, and you sit on the chair, and then the chair gets taken out from under you, and you fall, and you hit your, your back real hard, and you look to God and say, what? What, what the heck, God? Did I not understand you? Did I not hear you? You said, sit here. I had faith. You said, sit here. I, I sat here and, and look what happened. And God, God says, I didn't say that you had to sit in the chair. I didn't say if you sat in the chair, it wouldn't break. I didn't say. So sometimes we can get carried away with our faith and, and believe things that he didn't necessarily reveal to us or say to us. But there's nothing in the world that can convince me that heaven is not real. And that's faith, right? There's nothing in the world that can convince me that God is not real. That's faith. If you could be convinced that God isn't real, then I doubt you have a saving faith. If you could be convinced that the Bible has errors and is fallible, then I doubt you have a saving faith. So when we look at the word faith, we have to understand it's such a deep and real conviction that nothing could stir us away from it. And not everyone has the same level of faith in certain regards, in certain aspects. And, and Paul writes about this, and we're going to get into it. As an example of this, in different levels of faith, and different gifts of faith that God gives us, uh, Abraham offering up his son. He was only able to do that because of an utmost trust. God spoke to him, a spoken word. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. He spoke to him and says, give up your son. I would never in a million years give up my son for sacrifice. And you may, well, well, don't say that. I know that God's not going to ask me to do that. I know, you know, it's something that some silly Christians always like to pose, you know, it's not going to happen. It's not, it's not going to happen. But the reality is if, if God did give me the ability and spoke to me and revealed his true desire for me, and it was something that hard, then guess what? I would be able to do it. I'm not saying that from my present stands because my present stance hasn't received that faith that gift to have faith in trusting god for that desired um wish if you will and so we all have different abilities and giftings within the scope of faith and it's a gift and so it cannot be replicated or reproduced by man it is god's divine persuasion so i shouldn't feel guilt because i couldn't or wouldn't offer up my son as a sacrifice certainly not because God has not asked me to do this, and he's not revealed it to me, he's not spoken to me, it's not a promise given to me, and so I don't have the faith for it, because it hasn't been given to me. Uh, so guilt comes, now this isn't to say you can't reject the faith which God um, gives you as a gift, now this is arguing more in line with some other passages, but guilt comes when you reject the faith which is implanted inside of you where God has given you a gift for, like Hebrews 10 verse 38. Right? But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And we see this language more in Hebrews 11. And so we continue these ideas 
And we think back to last week with Romans 17, 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God or through the word of God. Uh, you cannot have faith for something you have not heard from God. So I want to talk about this real quick. This isn't, I mean, we're going to be in two passages more than anything else. Uh, but Romans chapter 12, if you'll open your Bibles here real quick. Uh, we're getting close to the end. I was hoping to be a little shorter, but here we go. Oh, I see your, while I'm pulling this up, I saw your, let's see, acronym, following and intuitively trusting him. Okay. Faith is walking with God hand in hand and he is controlling. We trust in him and where he is taking us. Okay. Yes. Faith is not a transaction. Transaction faith is a gift from God. All right. Very good stuff. Thank you, Lynn and Jarrell. So we read in Romans 12, if you have your Bibles open, uh, verse 3 is where I'm going to start. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now, he's not saying not to think of yourself at all or to think of what gifts God has given you or your call or purpose in Christ, but not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And so when you do a study on faith and can you build up your faith muscles, uh, usually people that talk in that type of language are usually word of faith uh, movement type of people. And I personally very much so disagree with the word of faith movement. I think there are some things within the word of faith movement that can be true in some senses, but as a whole, as a general idea, most of the people in the word of faith movement are much like the secret, right? The secret believes, and this is the new agey, uh, there's a lot of new age that's kind of infiltrated the church, unfortunately. But the new agey belief, the secret is when you put out enough, if you speak it out into the universe, it will come back to you. It won't come, it won't come back void. And some may argue, well, that's using a Christian principle, right? But faith is not saying, and I've already used this example, but I'll use it again. It's, it's not saying I have faith that God is going to provide for me a $500 check in the mail. That's not faith. Faith is... Uh, sustained by God's promise and revelation to us individually, personally, a conviction that's so deep. So if God did tell me, Jesse, I'm going to have someone give you $500 to help you pay a mortgage. Great. I would trust that. I'd be like, who's, who's paying up, right? Who's, who's, who's going to help me pay my mortgage, right? And I'm not saying anyone needs to do that. I'm good. But if God told me that, then I'd have faith for that. And God hasn't told me that. He hasn't. So I don't have faith for that. I don't trust for that. I don't cling to that. And so we have to understand what God has revealed to us, what God is speaking to us has to be a deep conviction. If you waver, you're unstable, That's there's no pleasure in that. When God has revealed something to you, you need to cling to it. You need to trust in it and have full assurance of it. You need to be able to back it up uh, in every way possible. Right? So each according to the measure of faith, faith that God has assigned. God assigns measures of faith. Some have faith for different things. Some have faith for different gifts. Some have faiths for different prophecies. Some have faith for different... This is why I'm a pastor. I'm, I'm, I, have, I have been given faith to understand and trust in the confidence of the revelation that God has called me and purposed me to be a pastor. I don't necessarily feel like I should be a pastor. I don't necessarily feel like I am the best candidate to be a pastor all of the time because we can't trust our feelings. I have an assurance that I am 
a pastor and called to be a pastor because God revealed that to me, a promise to me when I was young, uh, multiple times. He spoke it to me over and over and over again uh, through prophetic, through the prophecies, right? So we look at things like this and that is what faith is established on. So a measure of faith is given to us by God as a gift, lest no man should boast, as a measure for certain things in certain times. Gets a little deep. For as in one body we have many members, and we're going to talk about this a little bit, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So we understand he's prefacing what he's getting into about the body and multiple gifts and different purposes, different functions. So measure of faith to trust in God according to his purpose, his plan, his revelation, or his revealing promise he's given us. We have faith by grace. It's a gift uh, to operate in our call and our purpose. And so we look at this. Uh, we do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving to the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. It'd be nice to have every single one of these in our church, right? You know, we have the teach who teaches, we have the prophet who prophesies, we have the one who exhorts, uh, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, um, with mercy of cheerfulness. So I want to I want to key in here real briefly on this this terminology, the proportion to our faith. Um, so he says to prophesy, prophesy to, in proportion to our faith. So what does that mean? Because he says we have a measure of faith, and now he's saying in proportion to our faith. So spiritual gifts, uh, understand first, before we get into the prophecy, just real briefly, they may be residential, uh, they may be permanent, occasional, or circumstantial. Those are the four types of spiritual gifts you might have. You may have uh, a permanent spiritual gift upon your life. An example of this is... Uh, I do personally feel like I have the spiritual gift of joy. I'm not, uh, that's not to say my carnal nature is naturally given to joy or happiness. Uh, it's just a spiritual gift where I can have joy when I meditate on God's goodness. I just, I'm a joyful person. Uh, and that's just a, it's a spiritual gift. My carnal nature is kind of angry. I get frustrated. I lash out. I get bitter. I get resentful, right? Those are my carnal nature. That's my carnal desire. Uh, but a spiritual gift that has been given to me is that I am a joyful person. And sometimes those don't make sense. And that's sometimes how God works. He, he, he goes against our very nature and gives us a gift that's contrary to who we even are sometimes. So we have a permanent gift. And I pray to God, I would assume that that's a permanent gift. And we should all pursue the fruit of the Spirit. And so that's not to say those type of gifts are not for everyone. We actually should be in that vein. Uh, occasional, circumstantial. So you look at circumstantial gift, uh, sometimes a circumstantial gift of teaching because we have a need in Sunday school to teach. And so you're circumstantially blessed by God and given favor to be able to teach, even though that's not where you permanently will reside. And so we look at Romans, uh, Romans 12, 6, where it says prophecy should be according to the proportion of his or her faith. Paul seems to be saying that 
Some who had the gift of prophecy had a greater measure of faith, that is, the trust or confidence that the Holy Spirit would work or is working in them to bring a revelation, which would be the basis of prophecy, right? Prophecy is revealed truth by God to a person for edification uh, for the body. And so, in other words, there will always be greater or lesser degrees of prophetic ability and consequently greater and lesser degrees of prophetic accuracy, which it seems reasonable to assume may increase or decrease depending on the circumstances of that person's life over time. So, prophet, a prophet is to speak in proportion to the confidence and assurance which has been revealed, the faith level. Looking back, I'm not a prophet, but prophetically, God revealed to me three weeks for Luke. My proportion of faith was three weeks. Not five, not two, not one, not three weeks and five days. It was three weeks. So as a prophet, in proportion with their faith, or even if you're not a prophet, when you prophesy, in proportion with your faith means only give what is 100% revealed. Don't assume, don't go further, don't make things up. Uh, and, and assume things. Uh, one of the things that I found frustrating was uh, one of the prophets that I, I've been watching on YouTube a little bit. He said, don't cast your stones at me until January 20th. He said, do not, do not, please do not. But after January 20th, cast all the stones at me you want. If, if Trump isn't elected January 20th, cast stones at me, cast, cast them at me. I'm like, you're a fool. Uh, because is, is that your 100% assurance uh, faith level that Trump will be in the office by January 20th? Well, you were wrong. So that wasn't a word of God. That must have been your own feelings, your own input, or your own added uh, added prophetic insight that you felt must be true. And so I'm not saying that all these prophets are wrong. We're, we're still waiting and seeing what's going on. Um, but when you prophesy, and this is me speaking to our body specifically, not, not necessarily about all these other prophets, but be very careful to only speak what you are 100% certain of. Do not speak with the 90%, the 80%, the 70%. Do not speak what you think. If you are, and I think this is fair, I've told people this, based on my discernment, my observation, and my careful petition with the Lord, I think this is likely. When you say God says this, you better have 150% certainty that that is 100% what God is saying. And so that's what Paul is writing right here. Romans 12, 6 is, By the proportion of his faith, do not surpass the faith which God has revealed to you to trust in him wholeheartedly. So you do not speak uh, beyond what God has revealed. You must be very, very careful to never speak on your own authority or from your own resources. Um, and that means don't even speak based on uh, other confidants, other trusted people. You really should only speak to what you know. Uh, and, and so you can say this is what other people are saying, but be very careful with that because you, you're you not 100% certain unless God tells you very specifically, this is true. Um, and that's why you have to be very careful because there's a lot of people in Christendom that hold prophets to a very, very strict judgment. And I'm doing some research on that, but it's it's definitely a, something we have to study as a church right now because we are a prophetic church. We do believe in prophecy. We do we have a, a, 
Pastor or Prophetess Rachel, who is operating in that gift now. We have Darrell, who is a prophet in training. We definitely affirm prophecy and, and the prophetic mantle, but we have to be very, very careful because the world uh, and the Christian world is very afraid of prophets right now. So we have to make sure we are speaking to our proportion of faith, right? And so in Matthew 17, I did want to reference this here real quick because I think it's important to give an example of when uh, there was faith that was lacking. Matthew 7, 17, 15, it says, And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him, and the Lord it said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless, and this, this word comes from the, the pistis um, word, faith. Faithless, apistos, is the new word. So A being absent faith. Absent faith, faithless and twisted generation. How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. So that word faithless is apistos, which uh, is unbelieving unbeliever. Someone who does not have the faith that God has given him to have. Someone who rejects the indwelling and birthing of that faith. And so you may argue, well, does that mean you can reject that which God gives you to have faith for? In essence, yeah, you could live in fear. Uh, I could have heard very clearly God said three weeks, but been fearful because all the doctors told me, plan on eight. Plan on eight. They all told me plan on eight. They all said, assume full term. He was two months early, assume full term. Assume eight weeks. Hope for the best plan for the worst. That's what every doctor, every nurse, they refused to say anything different because they didn't want to give us false hope. And so they always said eight weeks, eight weeks, eight weeks. And when you have doctors and nurses telling you eight weeks, eight weeks, eight weeks, if I didn't have full assurance, a, a true revelation of God's promise for three weeks, it would have been very easy for me to start doubting and start wondering, is this really going to happen? Is Luke really going to come home in three weeks? Um, and it would have been very easy to just say, you know, God, I know you revealed this to me, but I just don't know. But that's not, that's not what we're talking about. That's why Hebrews 10, it says, for the righteous, those in right standing with God, those who are in intimacy with God, they don't shrink back. They don't, they don't shrink back when God reveals something to them. They say, no, I have an intimate relationship with God. He revealed something to me. And thus I know with, with an absolute certainty, as if it's real in my present moment, I know that this will come. That's faith. Uh, just because you have given the gift or the opportunity to have faith for something doesn't necessarily your, mean your own carnal nature might not come in and get involved. And so I only got a couple more things for us. So we do have to get into Hebrews chapter 11 here real quick. So flip over there if you have that. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Uh, obviously, we have to start there. We're only going to read four total verses, one through three and verse six. We're not going to get into the heroes of faith or the hall of fame for faith, whatever you want to call it. We're not going to get into that right now uh, or today, but rather we're going to get into the first few verses and verse six a little bit. Hebrews 11, verse one. I'm reading from the New King James because I believe it's the most accurately translated of the versions, not the ESV, not the NASB, it, the King James technically, but New King James, 
because it still says this word. Now, faith is the substance. I believe that's the proper way to translate that. I do believe that word is best translated as substance. Other translations use a different word, but I believe substance is absolutely the best word to use here. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Uh, it's not hoping for things. It's the substance of your hope. Once again, going back to that $500 check, it's not hoping for a $500 check. It's the substance of why I hope for that $500 check. It's a real thing. That's why faith isn't a blind leap into darkness. It's saying, God told me that's going to happen. God told me it, it, it's such a certainty. It's such a, it's a, it, it's a physical substance, right? And that's why I think substance, it's not an essence. I think substance is the best word because it's literally so tangible and physical to you because God revealed it to you that it, it is as a substance and that causes the hope. Uh, the evidence of things not seen. So it's not just something, oh, I, I haven't seen this. No, it's the evidence. Evidence. Uh, I think we like to think, oh, I'm hoping for this. Uh, we want to see this, and that's faith. That's not faith. It's the substance of why we hope. It's the evidence of why we see. It's, it's not blindly trusting. It's not blindly following. It's saying this substance right here is why I have faith. This obvious evidence that God has revealed to me is why I see the, the things that are yet to come because I have evidence. And there's a lot of examples in my own personal life where I'm not, like I said, I'm not a prophet. I don't claim that at all. I'm not a prophet, but God speaks to me. And, and sometimes I am so sure of what I heard that it becomes obvious, right? And so we look back once again, just because it's the most recent obvious example I can use, the three weeks. It's, it's a testimony. It's for God's glory. It, le it led me to understand in that article I wrote, it didn't matter if a million people were praying Luke comes home in one day. That wasn't God's will. That wasn't God's re revealed understanding to me. Uh, if God told me one day, absolutely. He would have came home in one day and I would have faith for that. Uh, that would have been a harder test of my faith, if that makes sense. But I would have had faith for that. Uh, and so verse two, for by it, the elders obtained a good testimony by faith. Verse three, by faith, we understand that the worlds, uh, the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. And now verse six, and without faith, this is everyone, everyone knows this. It is impossible to please him Two two things, uh, that we need to know about this. And it's actually going to continue into that is faith is there's different types of faith there's a saving faith uh which is every every time you see faith it, it includes the saving faith um and then there's faith that's given to you as god from god as a gift beyond saving faith and so really those are the two things that you have to look at and so faith as a saving faith well this becomes very obvious if you read this and without saving faith meaning without trusting in God as your Savior, as your Lord, it's impossible to please Him. That's why if I were a good person, but did not know God, trust in God, cling to God, did not serve God, did not believe in Christ, nothing I would do, no matter how good by the world's standard, would please Him. Because it's not of Him, for Him, by Him. So that's a very easy interpretation of this passage and one that is very accurate, and we'll get into that here in a moment. But without faith, meaning without salvation, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible. 
if you're not saved, if you're not living in the faith, if you're not according to the faith, you can't please him. If you're of the world, in the world, for the world, doing good, you still can't please him. You, you can't. And so the, the other thing, though, is without faith, uh, and now this is that, that faith that goes beyond um, the faith which is implanted in us, a revelation like the faith of three weeks for Luke. Uh, and this is the faith that I think most people think of primarily when they read this. And without faith being the revealed word promise of God, trusting in that, without trusting in God for which has been revealed, it is impossible to please him. Why? Because you're essentially saying, I don't, I don't trust you. God, I don't, I don't trust you. And so it continues, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. Interesting that it, we don't quote that, right? And without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. Salvation must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And that's what we're talking about when it comes to faith. We believe that he exists and what he rewards those who seek him. Uh, Luke coming home in three weeks was a reward. So faith is an act of self-renunciation. I want to make that abundantly clear. It's not trusting in my word, my opinion, my thoughts, my discernment. That's why oftentimes I say, this is what I discern. This is what I think is going to happen. This is what I perceive to be the reality to come. Not prophetically, not revealed to me through prayer, petition with the Lord. Not so, I'm not going to die on that hill. This is what I very obviously see coming. You can talk about that with a lot of things in America right now. Very obviously, many things anti-Christian are coming under a Biden regime. I'm, I'm not afraid to say that. I'm not going to shy around that. As a Christian, I think we have to know that and speak out against evil when it comes. There's already been a lot of evil that has, has come in the first few days. And so that's why we have uh, to speak out against it. And so it's not an act of, or it is an act of self-renunciation uh, and a declaration that our hope and confidence are in God. Uh, faith is saying my hope and my confidence is in God because he's revealed it to me. It's a substance. It's, a, it's an evidence. Faith puts no trust in man, but in God only. It declares that he is enough. He is sufficient. He is able. And it pleases God when he sees his children making known by the way they live that he is altogether glorious and abundant, abundantly worthy of their trust. So we cannot trust in which we do not know. I cannot trust in a stranger whom I do not know, because I do not know him. Uh, trust is earned, but through revelation of Jesus Christ and the understanding of who he is, he implants in us a gift, lest no man should boast, that we can now trust in him. Only obedience that is fueled and energized and sustained by loving confidence and joyful trust in God brings pleasure to our Heavenly Father. So our obedience must be fueled and energized and sustained by a devote, loving um, confidence and joyful trust not just a i trust you god we'll see what we'll see what you do no an excited joyful trusting i know that i know that god has a plan in this god has a purpose in this and there is two things in particular that please god when we have faith in him our belief that he is our um our belief that he is and our belief that he rewards those who seek him or to put it in other words god is pleased when we believe that he is real and that he is a rewarder very simply put there i'm getting a phone call from calvin did i cut out i think i'm still here right guys i'm preaching long and i'm just at my table this is what i want to end you with uh 
final thoughts and a quote. I have to have a quote from C.H. Spurgeon because I've just been studying him. I love him. Uh, but he says, care more for a grain of faith, right? Mustard seed. Care more for a grain of faith than a ton of excitement. Why does God say if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move and it shall be moved? Because God gives you a measure of faith. And so if he gives you a measure of faith, the size of a mustard seed, if he gives you that much faith for something to happen, then it can happen. And, and that's what's beautiful about faith is it's not based on what I do. It's not based on my, I can't build it up. I can't strengthen it. I can't get better at it and do a real study on it. I know this might, some of us might still think you can, but you really, you can learn to trust God more. Um, but what he's going to do is he's going to give you challenges in order to trust him more. And, and that's how you get the opportunity to quote unquote, build up your faith. But really what happens is God reveals more to you because he knows you'll trust him. And so building up your muscles, no, uh, allowing God to reveal more truth to you because he knows you'll trust him. Yes. So you can't necessarily build up your faith muscles, but what you can do is trust in God every time he gives you something when you know it's real, you know it's 100%, this is real, this is substance, this is evidence, I know without a shadow of a doubt that God revealed this to me, then you have faith for it. And what happens is God then will entrust you with more uh, knowledge and understanding uh, and more insight, if you will, because he knows you'll trust him. And so it's a measure of faith. And some of us are, are wicked and perverse and faithless generation because he he gives us a measure and we do nothing with it and so that's that's on us and that's on our carnality and our depravity and our 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 worthlessness really so anyway those are kind of my closing thoughts i know it kind of went longer than i expected and i appreciate you guys for tuning in i mean we've had pretty much nine or ten the whole time i think 55 minutes uh so hopefully you guys were blessed hopefully you guys or on your couches chilling, had your Bibles up. But that's all I had for you guys today. So we're going to close in prayer. And then I think at the church, just announced that we're going to, I guess I'm announcing it now, but we're going to cancel all events and services for this week because we have a lot of people sick. So anyway, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, service today. I thank you for... I'm talking to a computer and it feels a little weird and I can't read people. I can't see what's going on. I can't discern some things, God, but I, I know that you are working and you are moving. I pray that people learn something new today and they learn more about you and how faith works and, and, and that it's tangible, that it's a real thing. God, they, they, it's something you give to us. It's a gift. It's an ability. It's, it's not something we should brag about, boast about. It's not something we should Say, oh, I, I can do this, I can do that, I'm able to trust this better than you. No, I mean, God, I, I just know that faith is, is a blessing, it's a gift, it's given by you. Less, I can't boast. I can't boast in my salvation. I am I'm gratefully uh, repentant and gratefully excited that you are willing to reveal to me the truth about your word, the truth about your son, the truth about who you are. God, people don't just naturally accept the revelation of Jesus Christ unless you go in and, and soften their hearts and ready the ground to receive. God, you are in charge of the ground. You are in charge of the, the ground in which we sow. The, 
So, Father, when we talk about faith, when we talk about saving faith, when we talk about a measure of faith, Father, I don't, I don't know who's going to receive the faith. Um, I don't know who's going to receive the gospel message. It's only by the gift you've given them to have that faith in a Father, in the, the, the sacrifice which Christ made, in heaven and hell, in all of these different things, God. So I trust you, I cling to you, um, and I, I will remain steadfast upon your word. And something that I know is infallible, God, with 100% accuracy, 100% certainty, 100% of the time, God, is, is the Bible. And you left it for us, for me, to study, to know, to draw closer to you, to understand you. I can rest in the promises given through Scripture. I can rest in the goodness of God because of Scripture. I can rest and trust in you confidently because I have evidence in the Word of God. So, Father, I thank you. I praise you. I glorify you. Um, I just pray you bless every person who tuned in or was at church today. I thank you for uh, them bearing this out and however long this may have felt or not long. I, it's hard for me to tell. <laughs> but, God, I just I know that you had a purpose in it. In Jesus' name, amen. As always, thank you for checking us out. We hope to see you next week. God bless.